0: Because it takes faith to walk in the truth. It's been a couple of weeks. We're going to give you a review here in just a moment. Um, Last week being Mother's Day, so we didn't talk about it. But um, if you open up your Bible to the very beginning, book of Genesis, the first two chapters, what we see unfolding before us is the very perfect will of God for mankind. If we want to know the will of God, go right there to the very beginning. And you'll find out exactly what the will of God is. What is it? Perfect place, perfect environment perfect human beings, created in his likeness and in his image. We see a perfect family there. Their marriage is a perfect marriage. You know, men, his wife was formed, ours has to be found. She came out from him, being a part of him, and together they make up the completed image of God. She was made, as well as he was made, in the likeness and image of God. In their marital relationship, we see the image of God in manifestation. They had a perfect job, perfect environment to, to live in, everything was at their disposal, all that they had, they had a perfect fellowship with God Almighty who walked with them and talked with them in the cool of the day, it doesn't get better than what Adam and Eve had in the beginning, there was nothing better for them isn't it sad that they thought there was, that she thought that there was but then we get to chapter 3 of the book of Genesis and what do we discover we discover that there is a tempter, we discover there's temptation, we discover there's tactic used by the enemy to undermine the work of God and the will of God then we find out tragedy and by the time we get to the 6th chapter of the book of Genesis how about this one God says I regret making man and so what happens there's a flood to preserve a righteous line upon the planet there has to be a flood what does all this teach us it shows us The will of God for mankind is perfect. Everything was brought to its predestined end. No sin, no sickness, no sorrow, no pain, no anguish, no no death. None of those things existed in the garden. But then because of the fall of man, there was an entrance to the kingdom of darkness through deception. And deception that came into this world by the devil through Eve has been the darkness over this entire world. And it was so dark in those first years, formative years, that God had to destroy the earth by a flood because of the wickedness of man's heart, not knowing truth and not knowing God. And you know what? The saddest part about it was man couldn't get back to God. He had no way to get back to God. He couldn't get back to God through religion. He couldn't get back to God through his own personal works. It was impossible for man to get back to God. God had to get to man or man was lost for eternity. So thank God he sent Jesus. And when Jesus came into the world, he once again manifested the perfect will of God. If we want to know the will of God, look at the beginning. We want to know the will of God, look at Jesus. And you see Jesus in the gospels and you see everyone that came to Jesus, he helped, he delivered, he set free, he made whole. Once again, we see Jesus saying, I am the will of God. I came to do my father's will. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Everything you see me do, my father does. Everything I say, my father says. Everything I teach, my father taught me to, 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 to say, to teach. And so therefore, if we want to know the will of God, we can find it in the beginning, we can find it in Jesus, we can find it also in the end. We can see it in the end. We can see that when Satan's eliminated from human contact, what happens? 1,000 years, a millennial reign of Christ, there's perfect peace, love, joy, all the things of God, no sickness, no disease. Someone's gonna, no one's going to say, I am sick during that time. And then finally there's a new heavens and a new earth, and are you looking forward to that? Amen. New glorified bodies, are you looking forward to that? Amen. Amen. So all those things await us, but as we live here right now on this planet, we understand that the whole world around us is just lying in darkness. When Jesus came into the world, he said the world was lying in darkness. And the darkness didn't comprehend that he came and what he came for. But thank God our eyes have been opened and we know. So with that said, in 3 John chapter, there's only one chapter, so verses 3 and 4, here's the apostle John speaking. He says, I rejoice greatly, When the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as you walk in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Notice, we can know the truth, and that's wonderful, but he is saying they walked in the truth. In other words, it didn't, it wasn't something that they just learned, it was something that they lived. This is so essential to our society today. For the Christian world today, it's important, yes, we get educated. We know what the Word says, but it's not enough just to know what the Word says. We want to live it. We want it to be a living thing. To be living epistles of the living Christ, known in red of all men. When they see us, they see the gospel. They hear the gospel message. They see the life of God in us. They see the power of God in us. They see the glory of God manifesting through our lives. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So it's important that we understand this. We're not just in church once a week so that we can put in our time and maybe fulfill an obligation. But we want every single day of our lives to be shining lights in the world of darkness so they can see our good works and glorify our father in heaven we want to have this relationship with the father praise god that we know who we are we know what we have in him and as that's manifested in us we communicate it to the people around us every one of us being living epistles of the living christ secondly we talked about how jesus was the one who brought truth into the world the door was open to deception through eve and through the devil but jesus brought truth into the world in john's gospel chapter 1 and verse 14 we know that it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth remember this world was in darkness and deception but jesus came to bring truth into the world you know there are many religions that are out there in the world today we see people even today being deceived by all the different religions that are out there and they say oh there's many ways to get to god that's deception there's many many ways, all these people love God, all these people serve God, all these people walk with God they got their own way to God, this way to God, that way to God, this way to God, you know what? God himself said there's only one way to him, Jesus himself who was God manifest in the flesh says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me it might sound nice to say, oh we appreciate your religious convictions and belief system, but that's not doing them any favors the eternal spirit beings that will never cease to exist. They will spend eternity someplace either in the presence of God or apart from the presence of God in a place of eternal suffering forever. It's up to us to let them know. Don't browbeat them with the word. Live the word. Let them see Christ in you. Demonstrate the power of God and let them see the power of God manifest in and through your life. And that'll bring them out of the darkness into the light. So Jesus brought grace and truth into the world. And we thank God for that. But then also we talked about it's the knowledge of the truth that liberates, delivers, and sets free. Jesus said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's knowing the truth, entering into. The word know there in the Greek means epignosko. It means to enter into the truth and experience the truth. Not just learn it intellectually, but actually enter into it and experience it to live it out. You, you can look at a piece of cake, but that's not experiencing it. You can know all the ingredients in a piece of cake, but that's not experiencing it. It's tasting it right, amen, how about it, you know where I'm coming from, don't you, all pizza looks good, it's the taste that counts, (laughs) got to experience it, all right, you can know all there is about electricity, But you haven't experienced it until you put your fingers in the socket and your hair stands straight up in the air. Now you've experienced it. That's what that word means. You shall know the truth, experience it, walk in intimacy of what it actually says and you experience it and it will liberate, it will make you free. And then we talked about this. You ready for this one? This is the biggie. The flesh and the spirit are at war with each other because you see to walk in the truth, you have to walk by who you are inside inside in Christ you know you're perfect if your outer shell your tent that Paul called it were removed from you you look so good you couldn't even stand yourself <laughs> man you got the glory of God on the inside of you and you look good you're his masterpiece handcrafted by the Lord himself a new heart he gave you a new spirit he gave you the glory of God's on the inside of you you are a, a vessel an earthen vessel of clay we're told jars of clay but you've got the glory of God you house on the inside of you so, you look good, real good on the inside, but this man on the outside doesn't want to hear it. This man on the outside wants its way, wants to do its own thing. Have you learned that about your flesh? Hmm? Have you learned that about your flesh yet? It wants to do its own thing, have its own way, act the way it wants to act. And then, what about your emotional feelings? See, we've got spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. And you've got the body on the outside. You've got the spirit on the inside. You've got the, f- the soul right in the middle, of the mind, will, emotions, and intellect. And the flesh wants to control the spirit, and the spirit wants to control the flesh, so there's warfare, so you see, who you are is based on what we receive from the word of God in the new birth, in the revelation of Jesus Christ on the inside, you're not even trying to be complete, you are complete in him already, you've already received his life, love, his life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good, meekness, and temperance, all those things are deposited in your spirit, you've got that right now on the inside of you, and you know what? The warfare is this, get it from the inside to the outside. Because this man on the outside will fight you tooth and nail. It wants to rise up. When its feel-bads get hurt, and you have your feelings hurt, they want to act up and lash out and just say, that's who you are. When you have shame, guilt, sin consciousness, condemnation, and all that, it makes you feel like as though that God doesn't care about you, that God's a distance away from you. But that's just the outward man trying to control the inward man. And what we're supposed to be believing is that, My life is not based on external things. It's based on internal deposits that God made in me already. I'm not trying to get something. I already have something. I'm trying to bring it from the inside to the outside to manifest. So guess what? You ready for this? When you get angry, you don't have to act on your anger. When you get jealous, you don't have to act out your jealousy. It doesn't matter. You see, you don't have to do that. But see, sometimes we think we have to act that way because that's how we feel. So when a car passes you up or cuts you off and you get this road rage... Just say, my joy is not based on that car. I've got joy unspeakable and full of glory on the inside of me, but there's warfare that will take place outside to the inside. Spirit against the flesh, flesh against the spirit. Galatians chapter 5, you can see it, verse 16, 17. You can read it there for yourself. The flesh wars against the spirit, spirit wars against the flesh. When the outward man tells you, I hurt, who you are, your your identity is not based on feelings or emotions or anything from external you know, circumstances. It's all based on who you are in Christ and what you have in him. So we don't want to let the outward man live. Smith Wigglesworth, many of you know of him, um, Englishman, God saved, completely on fire for God, raised 23 people from the dead, was asked one time, how are you, how you feeling, uh, Brother Wigglesworth? He says, I don't ask me how I feel. I believe in who I am. My feeling has nothing to do with who I am. I am in Christ. In him I live and move and have my being. The greater one lives in me. If you want to sit down and have time to listen to him, he would just spew it out and just, just talk about it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am God's masterpiece. I am more than a conqueror through him that loves me. I am a world overcomer by my faith. I am an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And he would just make those declarations and confession of faith because that's who he is. What does it matter what his feelings feel? What does it matter what he sees in the mirror? What does it matter whether his car broke down or not? None of that really matters. What matters is knowing who I am and what I have in Christ and then playing it out, living it out, bringing it out from the inside out. That's what this life of faith is all about. We can only walk in truth by faith. It takes faith to do that because it's not by works. It's by faith. And then next, you will notice the spirit, uh, I'm sorry, deception is that the enemy will present as truth what is a lie. We see this in the very beginning to present his truth what is a lie, for what reason to get people not to believe the integrity of God's word, that's exactly what the devil did to Eve, to get her attention, to focus her attention on something other than the word of God, to make her believe that there was something more, to believe the lie because this is what he said to her, you will not surely die doesn't that contradict what God said, God said if you partake of it you will die, right oh you will not really die, you're not gonna, surely you're not going to die no 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 he was just kidding about that you're not going to die he knows when you partake of it you're going to be like him wait a minute she was already like him she was already like him so he's deceiving her to thinking that there was something more that she didn't have he lied to her and she bought the lie and she exalted the lie above the word of God deception is to present as truth that which is a lie so when the devil tells you that your life is not worth living liar pants on fire you're the devil you're the deceiver Well, how do you know your created value and worth? Because you know why? The cross doesn't expose just my sin, that much sin cost. It exposes my created value. It exposes how much God loves me. It exposes the purpose that God has for my life. It exposes so much about who you are. Your life is so valuable. Your life is so important to him, praise God, that he sent his son to die for you. You want to talk about your value and your worth? Your worth the blood of Jesus Christ. That's your value. That's your worth. That's your purpose, praise God, to live for him, to honor him, and serve him. And he brought us back into a right relationship with the Father. So deception is, the devil make you think you have to act on your feelings and emotions because that's who you are? Uh-uh. mm Not at all. That's not who you are. People need to hear that, need to learn that, and walk in the light of that. And so that next time you're, I said Wednesday night when I was teaching this, when your engine light comes on in your car, and it's laughing at you, mocking you, scoffing you, you can look at it and thank you Jesus, I'm not moved by that we have to get it fixed, but we're not moved by that, we don't let our emotional feelings rise up and say, oh my goodness, ever hear people talk like this we'll get to our notes in a minute, do you ever hear our people talk like this well you know what happens, whenever bad things happen, it comes in three this happened, that happened, and they're, they're actually believing for the third one Waiting for the third one to happen. Really? Why believe that? Where would that come from? Mm-mm. You don't have to believe that. Someone wants to believe that to open up the door themselves to it. Why? Because if you believe something strong enough from your heart and say with your mouth, Jesus said it will come to pass. You shouldn't want that. Amen. Now, don't buy the lie. Don't, don't live by deception. You want to hear about deception? Religion is deceptive. Can we meddle just for a minute? How about the rest of you? Can I meddle for a minute? Okay. Religion separates people from God more than anything else. Religion will send people into a lake of fire more than anything else. You know why? It's called deception. For 24 years of my life, I thought I was okay. I was in religion. But I, had, I got under conviction and I realized I wasn't born again. I didn't even know about being born again in my religion because it was never preached. And so there I am going to church like I'm supposed to go to church, doing the right thing like I'm supposed to do. And I'm sure you've been the same thing possibly in your life. And all of a sudden the 70s hit, which was the time of the charismatic movement. When the charismatic movement came, what happened? People began to have their eyes open. They began to see some things they never saw before. And it doesn't matter what church you come from, denominational churches you know, that you came out of, Uh, People started realizing, wait a minute, I've been sitting in church for for all these years. I never heard you must be born again to make heaven. Oh, didn't you? I know I didn't either. And boy, was I infuriated when I found out that you must be born again because I didn't want to be lost. Anybody here want to be lost to eternity? Anybody want to spend your eternity in the lake of fire? You know. But they're a good person. But you're such a good person. That has nothing to do with it. If we can make heaven by being good, God was crazy for sending Jesus to die for us because Jesus died a death that was so horrific his visage was so marred more than any man he didn't appear to be human like when he died upon that cross it was so devastating so disfiguring that when the Roman centurion who saw him up there on that cross who saw many others die before saw how disfigured he was his visage so marred more than any man he finally just looked at him and just said this surely must have been the son of God because no one who ever died like that on the cross who became sin, when he became sin, he took upon himself the sin of the world. It so disfigured him that he was beyond recognition. He died that horrific death for us. He suffered the penalty of our, the wrath of God for us and became all that for us so that we can make heaven. Now, but you see, this intelligent God didn't realize, well, just tell Bill to be a good boy and he can make heaven. Just tell him to go to church once in a while and he can make heaven. If I could make heaven by being good, why would Jesus have to die that kind of death? You know what church is all about? Getting people to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's about telling people that you can't save yourself, you can never be good enough, but someone was good enough for you. And that someone is Jesus, not Confucius, not Muhammad. Not Buddha, his name is Jesus. In Revelation chapter 5, when the books are open, the Bible says that no man is found worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof. So John wept much. Why? Because there was no man found worthy to take the book, to loose the seals thereof in heaven, earth, or beneath the earth. And the elders said, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed to take the book and loose the seals thereof. And he said, I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne stood a lamb as he had been slain. having Seven eyes, seven horns, which are the seven spirits God sent forth on all the earth. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. When he took the book, the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them golden vials full of odors, and they prayed a new song, sang a new song, saying, Worthy is the lamb. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. It wasn't any of these others. It was Jesus. So when people say there's many ways you can get to God, no there is not. There's only one way because there's only one Savior, one Redeemer who took your place on that cross and suffered the wrath of God for you and for me. And what's his name? Jesus. Shout to the Lord somebody. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. He's the only way, truth, and life. You know what deception is? Here's deception. I was at work one day and a cat fell out worker came up to me and said hey Bill you know if if you want to go to heaven you got to be born again and what I said to him if you want to go to heaven why don't you become what I am and I told him my religion he said well go open your religious book your Bible on your table open it up to John 3 3 and see what it says you read it for yourself 3 through 7 read it for yourself and tell me what it says tomorrow when you come back to work oh I was so sure you know I'm a little competitive I'm a little competitive, okay, so I go home, I'm sure of this, I dusted off my Bible, <laughs> opened it up, John 3, 3, verse 3, except the man be born again, he cannot see, enter into or perceive the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, Lord, how can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? He said, oh, Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I said to you, you must. Everybody say must. must. Must be born again. This is no bum on the street. This is Nicodemus. This is a ruler. This is a teacher. This is somebody who has clout. He has a position. So we're not talking about somebody who doesn't know God. Not a heathen. Somebody who really knows, should know God. And Jesus said to him, you must be born again. Period. That's it. I read that and my jaw fell open. I'm telling you, it sent me to another world. Oh, I was so infuriated. I was so angry with where I came out of, the religion I came out of, because I went back to my ministers and I asked them, how come we were never taught this? How about this one? Because you have to exalt church doctrine above the Bible because that was written by man. I said, really? I said, but Jesus said, he said, that was written by man. You believe what we teach you above that. I made my exit. You know how many people are sitting in churches throughout the world today, and I could give you all kind of denominational backgrounds, and they say, I've never heard you must be born again to make heaven. Well, you must. you know why you haven't heard it? Because it's deception. Because the devil wants to make you think that you earn it. You can earn it by going to church and being good and doing this and doing that. Maybe be an elder, maybe be a this. You know, there was a pastor who was on radio for 70. He was 72 years old. He was on on a radio for like 30-some years. And he announced finally to his people that were listeners and supported his ministry. He said, everybody, I just want you to know I just got born again. All those years he's teaching people and he wasn't born again. Anybody can teach the Bible. It doesn't mean they're born again. You know what born again is? I know it's saying a little prayer. No, it's not saying a little prayer. It's not saying a little prayer. Well, I've accepted Christ into my heart. Yes, yes, that's a part of it. But let me tell you what it really is. It's when you and I recognize that we can't save ourselves. And we recognize there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And we recognize that since I can't save myself, I need a Savior. And I recognize that the Savior made a demand upon me in my life. Nobody wants? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself the right to live independent of God. That's what it is. Deny yourself that right to live independent of God. God, is this okay? Okay. He'll say, look at my word and see what it says. That means it's okay or it's not okay. Deny yourself. Take up your cross means surrender your will to do his will. And follow me means allow him to make you who he wants you to be. Don't make yourself who you want to be. Let him make you what he wants you to be. So being born again says, look, Jesus, I can't save myself, but I want to spend my eternity with you. I want to be reconciled to the Father. I'm going to make him the Lord of my life. I want to make you the Lord of my life so I can be reconciled to the Father. And I, yes, I want to deny myself, take up my cross and follow you and serve you all the days of my life. It's not that I say a simple little prayer and go off and live like the devil or live like the way I want to live. He wants my life. He gave his life for my life. I give my life back to him. That's being born again. And you know what? The only thing we can feed on as a newborn babe, we're told, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You know what this is? This is our milk. It becomes our meat as we mature and grow in the things of God. And we feed upon the word of God by day and by night. The Psalmist, or, or, or the prophet said, thy words were found and I did eat them and they were to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Uh, Job said, I consider your word more than my necessary bread. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. So we need to have contact with this word. This word we're supposed to, according to Proverbs chapter 4, attend to it. Incline your ear to it. Keep, Keep it before your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart because they become life to us and health to all of our flesh. So what's he talking about? As any parent would say, my son, attend to my words. In other words, listen to what I'm telling you incline your ear, listen to what I'm saying to you, keep them before your eyes, think about what I'm saying to you, embrace him within your heart, believe what I'm saying to you, they'll become life to you and health to all of your flesh, so you see when we study the word of God, that's why we study it, we study it to have a relationship with the father, now listen to this, if we don't know the word of God, we are vulnerable to deception, and that's why when I was in religion, I was vulnerable to deception, I thought I was okay, But that man was right. He said, you must be born again. And you know what? I got born again. And when I got born again, guess what? Church became a wonderful place to be in. Before I got saved, church was the worst place for me to be in. Church was miserable for me to be in. These 45 to 50 minutes to almost an hour are absolutely, as far as I was concerned, so boring beyond words and comprehension. I was just sitting there waiting for something to, you know, trigger off laughter. When I got old enough, I, I'll tell on myself, when I got old enough, I snuck out. Uh, my friends and I, we just, uh, pre- I know I'm telling myself. myself, huh? we'd sneak out on Sunday and take the car down to the bowling alley and either bowl a few games and and shoot pool. <laughs> oh, boy, why did I, I did it, what can I say? Aren't you glad all things pass away, all things become new? <laughs> oh, I hated it. I hated it. I, going to church was like treacherous. Oh, I couldn't believe it to get through this. But you know what? When I got born again, oh my goodness. You talk about a new heart, will I give you? A heart of flesh will I give you? Take the stony heart away. You couldn't keep me out of church. You couldn't keep me out of church. I knew God now, relationship with God, I know Him, I'm not trying to earn anything from Him, I've received it, He's in my heart, He's living in me, He's changing the way I think, He's transforming my life, I'm getting into His Word, it becomes life to me, it's alive to me, it's a living thing in me, I want to please Him, I want to serve Him, and it all comes from within, I'm working out my own salvation with fear and trembling, that doesn't mean I'm working to get saved, I am saved and I'm bringing from the inside to the outside, praise God, in other words, I'd rather be healed than learn about healing, what about you? Where are we? It's the Spirit who guides us in all the truth. Look at, in this verse, John 16, 13, how when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you in all the truth. Well, what's his job? The Holy Spirit's job is to guide us where? Into all the truth. Why? That's his job, because ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. True liberty comes, true deliverance comes from knowing the truth. That, which, that is what makes us free. And I'm going to say something so please hear it in the right context. You can come to this altar and just say, I really want peace. I want you to pray for me to have peace. And I'd be glad to pray for you to have peace. But I guarantee you, if that peace doesn't start from within, you'll be back here next week and say, I want you to pray for me to have peace. I'll pray for you to have peace, and you might have peace for a day or two. And then all of a sudden, you'll start coming back here again. Please pray for me to have peace. And finally, I'm going to look at you and just say, let's talk. Do you know you have the peace of God that passes all understanding on the inside of you? And that if you only, see, you're deceived into thinking that the only way you can have peace is to have somebody pray for you to get that peace. See, you, you can activate that for a moment from externally from the outside and experience that, but it will lift after a while, and then all of a sudden, there you are out there and you're all attacked once again. It's when, and I believe this is my role as a pastor, to feed the sheep, to feed the flock, the truth of God's word. It's when I point you to the fact that you have peace that the world didn't give. You have joy that the world didn't give. You've got love. I don't feel loved. You say, I don't feel loved. What's feeling got to do with it? Jesus says, Greater love is no man than this, the man laid down his life for his friends. He laid down his life for you. That says it all right there. You know, we should be saying, I'm loved. I'm loved, but I don't feel loved. Stop it, flesh. I'm loved. But you look in the mirror and say, but I don't, I don't feel love." So tell yourself in the mirror. What does it matter how I feel? It's proven. He loved me. Okay, I have the peace of God that passes all understanding in my heart that the world didn't give, that the world can't take away. So when I have a feeling that tells me, oh, I don't feel like peace today. Stop right there you walk in truth by faith and by faith what you say is this, I have the peace of God in me that the world didn't give and the world can't take away. I've got the joy of the Lord in me that the world didn't give, that the world can't take away, that some crazy driver can't take away, that whoever can't take away, that a circumstance that cannot take away, an experience in life, a life experience cannot take away. I've got in me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faithfulness, and praise God, I'm living by who I am on the inside, not what's happening on the outside, so that's how you can have a stable Christian life, and guess what, as a believer, when we grow in that, that's how we mature, we grow up into Him in all things, how? by speaking the truth in love, what's the truth? the the, the outward truth is I'm five, five and a half (laughs) the inward truth is I'm ten feet tall you didn't see that? No. Wait till I get my new body. Oh, you wait till I get my new body. <laughs> the truth is I don't sing. I play the guitar, but I don't sing. Oh, wait till I get my new voice. Amen. I get a new body. I'm asking for a new tune-up on the voice. <laughs> Amen. How about it? See, who you are on the inside is who Christ made you and you didn't make yourself. It's when you and I agree with that. You know the Bible says in Job what, 22, 21, Acquaint now thyself with the Lord, agree with him, conform yourself to his will, and so shall great you be at peace and great good will come to you. That's from the Amplified translation of that verse. Notice those three things. Acquaint yourself with the Lord, agree with him agree with him, how could two walk together except they be agreed, here you are saying I'm so sad, I'm so down, I'm so this, I'm so that, he's saying no you're not, no you're not no you're not, no you're not, because on the inside you've got love, joy, peace, the world didn't, don't let the world take away what I put in you. Can, you, can you see that praise God, and that's what faith is all about I Philemon, the book of Philemon is what I call it, verse 6, what does it say the communication of your fate may become effectual by acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Every good thing that's already in me in Christ Jesus, I'm to acknowledge, I'm to confess, I'm to declare it, I'm to proclaim it. Praise God, I've got joy unspeakable, full of glory. And I thank you, dear Father God, that I have it. And I thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus to die for me. I thank you, dear Father God, that I know you. I'm your son, I'm your child, I have life in, he, in you. I've got a glorious future, praise God. I'm just, oh my goodness, my future's so bright, it's beyond comprehension. But you don't say it like a mechanical way. What you say it is this, you love me. You've loved me so much. I'm not going to in any way question your love for me. There was a young lady who really felt, she felt as though she wasn't loved by God and loved by anybody. And what she did was she got to the point to where she thought about killing herself, taking her life and everything. But then she says, I'll never do anything like that. But you know what? When a person is deceived into thinking that their life is meaningless, doesn't mean anything, there's no value there, there's no creative value in you, no purpose for living, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You expose yourself to deception of the devil. he make you think like as though that's true. But you know what? None of that is true because you see you're worth something special, the blood of Jesus Christ. So the, at, at a spur of the moment, she just, in an unconscious moment, she took a, a shotgun and blew herself in the face. It was so disfigured she had a, had a, a facial transplant. When she got done with this, came out of a coma that she was in and she thought she knew what she did. Why did I do that to myself? Why did I do that to myself? You know, we could quote scriptures. Let me tell you something right now. This one, remember, John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came to give you life and that more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came to give you life and that more abundantly. Whatever steals, kills, and destroys doesn't come from God. I really want to get into this heavy, but Oh, praise God, we'll do it next week. Um, And so here she is recovering from this situation, but having to have a facial transplant because she acted spontaneously on thoughts that she allowed in her life over a period of time. Do you know what you continue to consider and think about over a period of time someday may just come out of you? I might as well just throw this out there because we're not going to get into those notes here today. Uh, (laughs) you know when it comes to confessing the word of God if we're not mindful well, we think we've got to write out all these confessions and just say these confessions and all they are is mechanically spoken and said that these confessions are here but you know that's not what it's about those we have out there written for you so that you could learn the word of God for yourself and put it in your heart so that you can develop intimacy with the Father and have a relationship with Him so that you know Him so well and that you know who you are so well in Christ that you begin to walk in this experience of this relationship that you have with Him. And so that when we're challenged in this life, you know what we do? The Word comes up out of us when we need it. You know, we proclaim it, we declare it, we decree it. If you remember uh, David standing before Goliath, when David stood before Goliath, he killed Goliath with words and we know that. But where do those words come from? They came from someone who had a relationship and an intimacy of fellowship with God who knew the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, lead me beside the still waters, He restores my soul, leads me to of righteousness from namesake and Rehea. I, I walk through the valley of shadow of death. You know the 23rd psalm you see the lord was his shepherd and he knew that he was a shepherd and so out there in the wild out there watching his father's sheep guess what he had this kind of intimacy with god and he knew who god was and he knew what god would do for him and how would you react when a lion came and stole a little lamb out of the out of the flock he chases it down and kills it with his bare hands and a bear comes and does the same thing chases it down no fear whatsoever why because Fear not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen thee, help thee, uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness, he said, right? And he knew that, not just as a verse of scripture to quote, but he knew that from the heart, that he could proclaim that and declare that. And all of a sudden, whether it was the lion or whether it was the bear, that's what he did. And finally, when he walked over to the battlefield and he saw the giant there standing there before all the army of Israel and the army of Israel, they were just so fearful. Think about this, a whole army so fearful, afraid of this one 10-foot giant. That no one would dare fight him. And he's bringing Chick-fil-A for his friends. Uh, for his brothers. Pizza Hut. I don't know. Whatever, whatever is by. McDonald's on the way. He was on his way to the battlefield. He brings him lunch and he hears this big old giant. Spew out of his mouth. He defies the army of the living God this day. I defy the army of the living God. He said. Who's that? Who is he? Well, he's been doing this for 40 days and 40 nights, and everybody's afraid of him. And you know, but the king said, anybody that will kill him, that will, you know, fight for Israel and bring him down, he's going to get the money and the honey, and he's going to get no taxes for the rest of his life. That's what he said. And I did a double take with David. He said, "What? The honey, he'll give him his daughter. The money, a nice lump of sum, and no taxes for the rest of your life." Hey, about the no taxes thing. And he goes to the king and he says, oh king, don't be afraid of him. I'm a 15-year-old boy, I know, I'm on the outside, look small, but you know what? I'll take care of him. You can't fight him, you're but a youth, you're ready, you're just but a youth, are you kidding me? He's been a warrior from youth, his spearhead's bigger than you are. He says, that's okay. The Lord who delivered me from the, giant, from the bears, the Lord who delivered me from the lions, is the same God who would deliver me from the giant, period. He didn't manufacture that. He didn't have to come up with that. Call 10 people. What do you think I should say? Ah, uh, Do you remember what the pastor said? If you, find, if you face a giant, what you're supposed to do? Uh, no, but let me call the church. Maybe Sharon will give you some of the notes. And then you study them for a while. You know, it might be too late for that. You see my point? No. So what does he say? I'll fight. And he'll deliver him into, into my hands and I'll defeat him. And so what does the devil come along or the giant come along inspired by the devil? What does he say? You come out with a stick, a stave. Who do you think you are? You think I'm a dog? Oh, you're going down. I mean, he's mouthing off. Has your, has your mountain, has your giant, has your enemy, has your lion, has your bear spoke to you that way like as if you're a nobody and no match for him? Let me tell you something right now. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. And he killed him with words. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. When he got done talking, David started talking. He will deliver you into my hands. And I'm going to use your own sword and cut your head off and feed your flesh to the fowl of the air. And so on. And what happened? Dave got exactly what he said. You see, confession is based on a relationship and an intimacy that we have with God. And we know who we are and we know what we have. And we're not afraid to say it and act upon it. And God will back it up. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before the burning fiery furnace. And, and of course, the king said, if you don't bow down and worship my image, you're going to be thrown in there. We're not afraid to answer you, old king. Not at all. If you do, God will deliver us and bring us out. He's, he's capable of doing it, and he will do it. If you don't, we're not still not going in. I mean, we're still not going to worship your, your idol. So, as far as we're concerned, it's a done deal. Oh, he goes infuriated. He got so angry. Why would you have to turn up the heat? Why would you have to turn up the heat? I mean, it's already 2,000 degrees. What's 2,500 degrees going to do? Is that harder for God to do? And so they spoke out, and they spoke out of faith. And that was called the declaration of confession of faith. He will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And you know what? They that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And we know our God. And when we have that revelation of who he is and what we have on the inside of us, and we start speaking the word of God that way, guess who shows up in the furnace of trial and temptation? He's right there. He's right there. Let's not be deceived. God's not mocked. What a man sows, the same shall he also reap. You sow the word of God in your heart and put it in your mouth, and praise God, you'll get the same thing. Amen? Well, we better stand, because if we don't, I'll be here four hours.